Revelation chapter number 3, you got your Bible. Look at verse 14 with me this morning. If you're glad you're in church, say amen. amen. Verse 14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, uh, the beginning of the creation of God. All right, now we understand uh, that in verse number 14, when it says to the angel of the church, the word angel means messenger. He's writing to this particular church of Laodicea. He's talking to the pastor. He recognizes next in verse 14, who's speaking there. It's Jesus Christ that is speaking in verse 14. He says, these things saith the Amen, capital A, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So Jesus is the one uh, speaking to this particular church. The next verse says, verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So a picture of, uh, again, it's uh, literally to the church of Laodicea, but it's a picture of the Laodicean age. Now, most of you know the book of Revelation. You understand these particular churches, these seven churches. They represent several things. Uh, they represent seven types of church members. It represents seven types of churches. It represents seven types of church history. And then particularly, it represents seven literal churches in the book of uh, Revelation here, chapters 2 and 3. The Laodicean age, I believe, is a picture of church age. We don't have time to teach the seven churches this morning, but this particular church, I believe, is represented by about 1900 or so. We can't be hard fast on dates, but 1900 to the present that, we're, that this church uh, age that we're living is a Laodicean. The word Laodicean means rights of the people. If there's ever a day when a person comes to church is they come and go out of a church because of their rights. In other words, I don't like the preacher speaking on that. I don't think he should address that. I don't think we should have to do that. I just want you to understand we all have a right to obey the book. All right. We've got a right to obey God's word and live our lives according to it. All right. And so when we don't do that, we get that mentality of this Laodicean age. We're not hot. We're not cold. We got people uh, and I'm talking about people not here necessarily, but I'm talking about Christianity as a whole where people they are not hot and they're cold. They're lukewarm. In other words, they want one foot in the world and want one foot in Christianity. They want to be kind of like Christ, but not too much like Christ. This, 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 this lukewarm mentality or if I can say lifestyle. And by the way, God's not pleased with that. All right. By the way, you ought to be hot, not cold. And you ought not to be in the middle either, okay? And again, uh, you talk about the pendulum swinging, uh, going one way or the other. You've got some people who they're saved so as by fire. That would, to me, the representation of those who are cold. In other words, uh, they're not living for Christ. They're living for the devil. They're, they're doing their own thing. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because they put their faith and trust in Christ. Hey, let, let me stop real quick here and just quickly say, uh, if you haven't figured it out by now, I believe with all my heart that once you're saved, you're saved, okay? And I don't take that from uh, Baptist doctrine. We take that from the Bible. John chapter uh, 12, verse... Uh, uh, John, I'm um, sorry. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Uh, is that, no, it's not 112 either. You guys are doing good. If you'll just keep guessing, we'll figure it out, all right? No man can, 1028, thank you very much, all right? You win the prize, all right? That's pretty bad when someone's trying to read my mind while I'm preaching, all right? And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Aren't you glad you're saved? I, I, we, so all of us, because of our uh, sinful flesh, we do things that we mess up, but it doesn't change the fact you're still a child of God. I have eight children. My kids are far from perfect, and they do things that disappoint me. But you know what? They're still my kid. And do you understand that when you become a child of God, I like that verse in Timothy where it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that he knoweth them that are his. If you're his, you're always going to be his. All right? Now, again, we talk about the pendulum going back and forth when it comes to our Christianity. A person can live like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world, 
and that some Christians aren't going to like me saying this, but still be saved. I know some, I, I know some and, and I don't want to be mean this morning, but usually those are the Pharisees. Those are the people who want to make everybody what they are. Alrighty? I'm just trying to tell you, and I'm not giving you a license to sin because Paul said the same thing. You know, we're not supposed to live our lives for ourselves. We're supposed to live it for God. And if you're saved, you ought to live like Christ. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants you to be holy. But all I'm trying to say is the pendulum, as far as Christianity goes different directions, or both directions, it goes all the way to cold, where they're saved, they're on their way to heaven, but that's as far as they got in their Christianity. Then you've got the hot. You go the other direction. That's the person who wants to live his life for Christ. They're going to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to make sure they give their tithes and offerings. They're going to dress like a Christian, act like a Christian, talk like a Christian. Not perfect, but going to live their life to please the Lord and do his will for their life. Listen, all of us ought to be there. That's where we ought to strive to be. That God, I would be in your perfect will all the time. But unfortunately, we're living in the Laodicean age. And that Laodicean age, that pendulum is right in the middle. It's that lukewarmness. I can still do worldly things and it not bother me because I come to church on Sunday. I got one cough out of that one. Hey, listen, church family, listen to me this morning. I'm going to go ahead and go on preaching this morning. I want liberty. I want the Lord to speak to our hearts, but I want to tell you something. There's sometimes preaching comes from the pulpit. People take it personal. Can I just tell you all preaching ought to be personal? If you come to church and you get nothing out of it and you heard a sermon, then you wasted your time, you wasted God's time. If we prayed before the message to begin that God would speak to our hearts and I was the only one that was praying and you're thinking about what you're going to do for lunch while the prayer was going on, there's something wrong with you. We come to church so that we can know God and live for God and love God and we worship God. What they sang about a few moments ago and what we've been singing all along. One day we're going to be with him forever, and until then, he ought to be, our, he ought to be the center focus of our lives. Right. Now this morning, I want to tell you that this idea of lukewarmness, I'm not going to preach on lukewarmness this morning, but I want to tell you something, we have a tendency in our Christianity to be right in the middle because we've got this feeling that we're spiritual because we come to church, but then we've got this feeling of worldliness because of the way we live throughout the week. That's not what God's pleased with. God says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God. Not acceptable to your parent, the pastor, the church, acceptable unto God. Is God pleased with my life? He's not pleased with lukewarmness. He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He doesn't want this form of Christianity but denying the power thereof. By the way, there's power in right living. Now this morning, that's not the message this morning. How many is glad that's over with? Say amen. All right. I want to teach something else this morning that's in this passage here, and it's in the following verses. Now, let's look what the Bible says in verse number 17. What does the first three words of verse 17 say? Let's say them together, the first three words together. Because thou sayest. I want to teach or preach for just a few moments this morning on this thought, self-perception. Now, think about that for a moment here. The Laodicean church said this, believer, Laodicean believers, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now look at this. And knowest not. What did they not, what did, did they not know? That thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now, church, I, mean, I want to tell you something. If we're not careful... We as Christians, listen, I know there might be somebody lost here this morning, and I want to tell you the most important decision of life is not getting right with God as much as getting to know God. 
Now, I want to tell you something, the only way you know God is if you're saved this morning. If you've put your faith and trust in Christ for your salvation, you're not getting to heaven because of good, being a good person or going to church or being baptized. You're going to go to heaven because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the only way to heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. Hopefully there's been a time in your life where you made him the way to heaven. You've accepted him. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid your sin debt in full, and you asked him to be your savior. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old in here this morning or if you're 70 years old this morning. Everybody goes to heaven by the same way. It's the way of the cross. Jesus Christ, only way to heaven. But this morning, I want to talk to Christians this morning because that's what the passage is talking to. The passage is talking to Laodicean believers, those who were lukewarm. And here's what they said. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but knowest not. God's outlook on their life was completely different because God knows what we are. He doesn't just perceive. He knows what we are. Can I tell you that sometimes we have a wrong perception of ourselves, And I want to tell you why it's wrong. Because it's our perception. Because it's our perception. You know, um, I was, uh, who was I, we were just with, I think it was Brother... Um, Brother Plato Shepherd was just here, and um, uh, I'm going to be a little candid here this morning. He won't mind. He's not here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Brother Plato Shepherd, he had a, a little piece of, um, of uh, toothpaste. That's what it looked like. It was white. Just, I mean, just, a, just kind of a speck. And I was talking to him be uh, before the service, and I couldn't get my eyes off that speck of toothpaste. And he's talking to me, and to be honest with you, I wasn't even focused on what he was talking about because I was looking at that speck of toothpaste on his cheek. All right, now the rest of you, make sure you wipe your face off. If you've got toothpaste, get it off, okay? It's just so distracting in life. Now, can I tell you, y'all checking now, all right? I can see it right now, all right? Hey, is it interesting to me that Brother Shepherd did not know? Now, when I saw him again, he had talked to his wife, so his wife must have said something because he got it off, all right? But, you know, it was amazing Brother Shepherd did not know that he had just a speck of toothpaste on his cheek when he was talking to me because he couldn't see it. It took somebody to tell him, hey, listen, you didn't, let me wipe that off for you. I didn't wipe it off, by the way, all right? <laughs> now, you know why? It's because I was... It was my perception of him was different than his perception of himself. And you know, sometimes we as Christians, we get that way. We think we're right, and the only opinion you have on that is you. And that's self-perception. And, and as he mentioned the word mirror, what's the mirror? Mirror is the word of God. In fact, does that, isn't that not what he says next? Again, I want to get too ahead, of, ahead, of, too ahead of things this morning. But in the very next verse, look what he says here. He says, I counsel thee. In other words, because your perception is that you're rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. But I know you're not like that. You're wretched, you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Here's what I want to tell you. How do you change your perception? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Now, I'm not going to go into all of this, uh, these verses this morning of the Laodicean church, but when he says to get by gold tried in the fire, what's in, what does the Bible say is, is, is like gold? The Word of God. Amen. We look into the perfect law of, look into the perfect law of liberty, how? To see the perception of ourself based upon the Word of God. How do I tell if I'm a good Christian? Am I doing what the Word of God says? He goes on to say, not only that, that he says in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy me gold uh, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, second of all, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Now, church family, the book of Revelation says that the white raiment is the righteousness of the saints. 
Now, I want to tell you, our perception that we're good people because we do certain things, God says, my, uh, not perception, my knowledge of, of, of rightness is holiness. In other words, it, it, that righteousness of the saints, as we live a holy life, that's what makes God, what he knows about us, right, and not just our perception right. He says one more thing in this verse here, in verse number 18. So you have uh, the, the word of God. You've got the righteousness of the saints. Uh, and then he goes on to say, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. Eyesalve is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, being spirit-filled, allowing the Spirit of God to take place, have control of our life. Now, this morning, I want to just share just three quick thoughts with you about this idea of self-perception this morning, okay? The first thing I think about when you think about self-perception is it's based on what you say. Now think about that. Verse number, again, verse number 17. Because thou sayest. Now, Sherman, can I tell you something? You should not base what you think on what you say. You're supposed to base the way you live upon the word of God. We, we have a tendency. Oh, I'm right. Okay, how do you know you're right? The only way a person knows that they're doing right, living right, and acting right is if they're obeying the word of God. Because it's not what we say, it's what God says. God looks at the Laodicean church, and they had this tendency, I'm right, I'm doing right. You ever thought about what they said? I mean, this is what God said that the Laodicean age, and of course, literally that church said. He said, I am rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. Now, just really, again, our perception of what riches, I was preaching in school chapel this last Thursday, I believe, and I preached a message on um, something, how to be rich. Did I tell you, do you any high school remember the title on that? You guys weren't listening? Okay, good. <laughs> we have a tendency to think money is what riches are. But when you look through the scripture, money is not what riches are. Okay, and I don't have time to preach the message, nor time to, to point to the verses. But the Bible says the word of God is worth more than, more than gold. The Bible says that wisdom is worth more than gold, silver, rubies, or all that a person could desire. The Bible says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Uh, help me out, young people. Pardon? Wisdom, good name, word of God, oh, salvation. What would a person give in exchange for their own soul? Now, can I just tell you something? There's things that are worth more than money. Amen. In the Laodicean age, I'm rich. Wait a second. We're talking about true riches here. We're not talking about the phony ones. Do you, do you understand that uh, we have this perception that I've, I, I've got it under control and I've got as much as, you know, as, much as I need? And now, but you know what God says? He says, listen, that's not, your perception of that is wrong. You know, it's interesting. I know the government's given away all this money, but can I tell you something? As quickly as that money came, quickly that money can go away. They gave you all that money to help you. What do you think that's going to do to prices in the United States of America? Have you, ever, have you been noticing the numbers on the gasoline, how they keep going up? All I'm just to say is, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. What thou set thine eyes upon that which is not. For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. It's not one of those things I can grab a hold of. I'm always going to have it. It's just money. It's just paper. This layout of c and I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. You talk about self-deception. Just around you, listen to me this one. We are living in a society today that we have more things than we've ever had before. Some of you are, are kind of, I mean, I know that we have some of the old timers in here and, you know, those that are in their 30s, but um, <laughs> I know we got some old timers in here and you can remember back to the day when there was not as many things as we have today. 
I mean, what year television was it invented? Does anybody know? Approximately? Brother Flory, did you have a television growing up? No. Were they around when you were growing up? Okay, I was just making sure. All right. All right, so they're around. All right. Is there anybody here you grew up without electricity in your house? Anybody? You grew up, Mrs. Edwards, you grew up with electricity? Wow, that's interesting. You should pay your bill. Um, <laughs> hey, we look at life, and unless you're an old timer, you remember the days where there were not all the different things that we have today. I mean, you think about all the, the, uh, the just everything. I mean, everything from the stores, the automobiles, to technology. I mean, who, there wasn't, I mean, even in my lifetime, I, I, we were walking by it the other day, and I can't remember who I was with and where we were at, but there was actually a pay phone that you could actually put a quarter in. There was a pay phone that had buttons. That was amazing. I hadn't seen one of those in forever. When I was in college, our dorm floor had one pay phone, and you had a 10-minute limit on whether you are going to use it or not, and you'd always press zero and call the operator and say, I'd like to make a collect call to mom and dad. And then they could decide if they wanted to accept it or not. Now, we've got, we've got elementary students walking around with a smartphone in their hand. You talk about all the things that we have today, but can I tell you something, church family, just like the church of Laodicea, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. I just want to tell you, those goods are not always good. We've got this mentality that, man, I've got so many good things. I want to tell you, I'm not so sure that uh, social media was a good thing. I'm not so sure television was a good thing. I'm not sure all the technology that we have gotten in the society that we're living in, that we have all of these goods, but they're not good. Amen. That's self-deception. Notice the last thing he said. He said, uh, I'm rich, the, the self-deception. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and have need of nothing. You know, I know there's a lot of Christians that think that, that, that lay out of and age, hey, listen, I, I don't need anything. I want to tell you, you do need something. You need the Spirit of God on your life. You need the word of God's direction for your family. You need to have a walk with God every day of your life. You need a church. I, want to, I don't need anything. Yes, you do need something. That is self-perception. You are not a self-made man. Every person sitting in this room is the sum total of what people have put inside of you. Every one of us. And really, it goes back to God, what God puts inside of us. And of course, he uses people, but God does it. You know, this idea of self-perception, it, self it's based on what we say. The proverb says this, interesting, you've probably read it many a time, never really thought about it, but Proverbs 25, 14 says this, whoso boasts himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. You know, that's really the, the person whose who's self-perception self in other words, we have this expectation of the way things are going to be, but it just never happens. It doesn't happen. We think just because I come to church, my kids are going to turn out right, or just because I give them a Christian education, they're going to live for God. That's deception based upon perception. We all have to make an individual choice in here. Nobody makes you spiritual. You choose to be spiritual. You choose to be right with God. Nobody makes you right with God. You know, again, this idea of perception is based upon what we say. And I want to tell you something. Let God be true and every man a liar. It's what God says. 
Something else I want you to think about, not only is this idea of self-perception where they said, because thou sayest, it's not only based on what they say, it's, be, it's often opposite of what you think. Now, you're not going to like this part, okay? So let me go through it very quickly. Sometimes what we think is not correct. It's wrong. In fact, God very clearly says that they were wrong in verse number 17, because in the first part, it's, this is what you say, but this is what I know. You don't know it. But you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. God spells out for them, this Laodicean age, that it's the opposite of what you think. Now, church, I want you to stop just to ponder this for just a moment. If the Laodicean church was directly opposite of what they perceived about themselves, and we're living in the Laodicean age, how come that could not be us? Yeah, we're Americans, amen? amen? America's the greatest place in all the world. Amen. I don't want to be anywhere else. I love America, all right? There's things I would like to change in America, but one thing for sure I don't want to change. I don't want to change me not being here. But you know, we as Americans and people from different uh, countries, what do they say about Americans? Americans are bold. Americans are brash. Americans are rude, okay? Now I want to tell you where part of that confidence comes from. It's because of God's blessing upon us as a society. The things that we get to enjoy to a degree gives us that boldness. A person can get education. A person can have prosperity or wealth and be able to drive a nice car, or have a nice house and all these things. And what that, it, it kind of makes us a little bit bold. You go through a fast food joint and uh, the, the food is cold and you have a tendency, uh, hey, listen, these are cold, I'd like to have another one. Okay, well, you wouldn't do that in a foreign country. Do you, do you understand that, again, this idea of what we say is often opposite of really what the truth is? All I'm trying to say is get you to think about this morning is if you sit there, and I, I don't think you're being pious, and I don't think you're being pharisaical in the sense, I'm in church, I'm giving, I'm raising my children for God. Okay, I understand all that. But could your perception of your spirituality, that, of what God knows, really be opposite of what you're thinking? It was the Laodicean age. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I've needed nothing. God says, no, you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Does God look at your life and all the things that you think you're doing right and God says, no, you're not doing right. You think you're doing right, but you're not doing right. Now, this again leads to my third, thing, third, third thought and I want you to think about this morning. Self-perception is based on what you say and it's often opposite of what you think. But listen to this, I'm almost done. It can only be fixed by you accepting reproof. Look at your, look at your Bible now, look at verse number, um, pick it up in verse number 19. As many as I love, who's the I there, all right? Obviously, if you read letter edition, who's the I? Jesus Christ. As many as I love, I what? Rebuke and what? Rebuke and change. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, Church, I mean, do you understand that here's what God says? God says, This is the Laodicean age. I know that you're lukewarm. You got a foot in, a foot out. You, you attend church, but you don't live for me during the week. And God says, And listen, uh, I know what you think. You think you're a pretty good person, but I'm just trying to tell you, you're not a really good person. And He says, I'm going to tell you how to fix that. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And then he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Your heart's door. 
This is not an unbeliever. This is a believer because he's talking to a church. Jesus, it's interesting in, in the book of Ephesus, in the first church, that he is in the midst of the, uh, chapter one, last verse, he's in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The seven golden candlesticks was the seven churches of Asia Minor. And Jesus was in the midst of them. When you get to the last church of the Laodicean age, he's on the outside knocking, saying, hey, can I come in? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So here's what God's trying to say here, is your perception of your Christianity might be way up here, but God says it's way down here. And the only way you're going to fix that is when I rebuke and chasten you, you open the door. Hey, my kids sometimes think I'm an old, cantankerous old man. They think that sometimes. I don't, your kids probably don't think that about you because you're such a good parent. Loving, kind, never get upset. Sweet, mild manners, spirit, giving, gracious, generous. I don't know who we're talking about either, but maybe it's you. I don't know. <laughs> You know, sometimes we have to get on our children and we have to say, hey, listen, I don't like that. I don't want you ever doing that again. And sometimes if our, uh, and let me just say it this way, our children have to decide whether they're going to open the door. Hey, all, most of you, many of your parents in here, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you could just program your child? Okay, all done. They're sweet, they're kind, they're hardworking, servant's heart. They always make their bed, take out the trash. They ask and get up from the table. They take their place to the, to, to the sink. They never ask. They help out. They say kind things to their siblings. Okay. Okay, fixed. Doesn't work that way. You know what? God gave them a free, free will, and they have to decide for themselves whether or not they're going to accept. And sometimes they can be like the fool. You know, uh, Proverbs 17.10 talks about a hundred stripes into a fool won't even change them. Now, can I tell you something? You're no different than your children are. God gave you a free will. And I want to tell you, my kids have that, that tendency to think in their mind sometimes, I'm right. I'm not wrong. Now, what do we do as parents to fix that? We don't want to break their spirit. We want to break their will. Am I correct? We want their will to be the parent's will. By the way, God wants his will to be your will. All right, we don't have time to teach on all that, but God's very clear. He's our Heavenly Father. He wants you to do the will of the Father. Are you with me so far? Okay, so if I have children, picture of heaven, I'm supposed to be like the Heavenly Father, following, doing what the Scripture says, and I'm trying to get their will to be my will. All right? And I just want to tell you, it's my will that my kids make their bed. It's my will that my kids help around the house. It's my will that the, ki the kids obey their mother. All right? It's my will that when they leave the house in the morning, they kiss their mother goodbye and tell her they love her. That's, that's my will. That's my wishes. All right? So I'm trying to get them to do my will. And sometimes they don't always do my will. Okay? So what do I have to do? Rod and reproof. All right? That's what the Bible teaches. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And there's times that I have to use the rod. I have to spank. There's other times I have to use reproof. Said, so listen, don't do that again. Watch now. But I can't see their heart. At our house, you, got, you come to my room if you're going to be disciplined. So when dad says, go to my room, they don't want to go to my room. But truthfully, when they leave my room, I don't know if they're right or not. And you know, you came to, you came to God's room today. 
You came to God's house this morning. And you sit through a church service. And I want to tell you something. You can sit there and you can think to yourself, I don't agree with what he's saying. You know, that's not true. Okay, well, you're just, you're just doing exactly what Revelation 3 said. What thou sayest. In other words, your perception about your Christian life. And you're not willing for God or anybody else to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. And you know what the problem is? You're not willing to open the door. And the only way you're going to get fixed wrong perception is to accept the chastening or the reproof that God brings into your life. Say, God, come on in. I am so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Because I want to tell you something. The difference between hot and cold is self-perception on what you see yourself to be and what God knows you to be. So God, show me. What do you want me to change? What am I doing wrong? God, would you please forgive me? I am so sorry. Hey, how many is glad 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all. Is it pride that keeps you from letting God do anything in your life? Is that what it is? I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I'm need, I don't need anything. Yes, you do. Church family, the Laodicean age mentality was, I know what's right for me. And God says, it's opposite. I know what's right for you. I know what's right for you. You know, my kids are growing up, and I still have five at home, but, you know, even at their ages, especially the older they get, they have this tendency to think that they're right, and they're not right. They just think they're right. Now, I don't know, if you can't relate because your children aren't like that, help me, you can relate with mine. They get, sometimes they get this mentality. I know what's right. You haven't even lived 16 years. I've lived 52. You don't know anything. You're an idiot. And I don't tell my kids they're idiots, but they can figure it out. How dumb can you be to think at 16 you know as much as a 52-year-old? How dumb? Somebody say amen. How many, how many agrees a 16-year-old doesn't know much as a 52-year-old? Somebody say amen. How many thinks it's pretty stupid for a teenager who thinks they know it all? Somebody say amen. Go ahead. I'll say it. You're dumb. You know what God, he looks down at us and says, how can you, who's going to live a lifetime of maybe 80 years of age, think you know more than an omnipotent God who's been around forever? That's dumb. You know what that is? That's Laodicean thinking. You know my dad used to say that was? That's stinking thinking. <laughs> God knows what's best for your life. And I'm just trying to tell you tonight, no one's going to bash in the door. He's just going to knock. I love you. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I love you. That's what God says. I love you. But I can't help you until you get repentive. God, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. God, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm a poor excuse for a father. I'm a poor excuse for a husband. I'm a poor excuse for a Christian. God, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. When you open that door, that's when you're finally going to get to a place where God doesn't look at you as lukewarm. He says, that's the kind of Christian that's going to do my will.